Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. Today's guest is Michelle Lee, and she has a very personal story of one very important way to prevent overdose from substances. She is the mother of four, runs a digital marketing agency, which I don't know how she does all of that, but today she is talking about the process of grief and healing, hope and prevention. Welcome, Michelle Lee. Thank you. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about your story as the sister of somebody who did die of an overdose from fentanyl. What is that story? Um, so before I kind of jump into the story of my brother, um, we people who have been affected in this way would rather call it actually poisoning than overdose um, because my brother passed away not knowing that the drugs that he consumed were laced by a drug dealer with fentanyl. Um, the drug dealer, the, the one we think actually sold my brother the drugs was charged with homicide. It is actually a crime now, um, drug-induced homicide. So I prefer the term poisoned or homicide than overdosed. Okay. Because the, I will alter. The yeah. The amount of um, drugs that my brother consumed was very minimal. So without the poison fentanyl being added to it by the drug dealer, my brother would not have passed away. Tell me a little bit about your brother. Who was he? Who is your brother that makes him special? Yeah. My brother is a magical dude. Um, he was 15 years younger than me. So we had a unique relationship in that I sort of took a motherly role as well to him. Um, but he was a very special kid from the day he was born. He had Asperger's and he was quite the genius. He actually tested out of college math when he was eight years old. So his brain was just constantly going. Um, but he had, because of that and because of the Asperger's, he struggled in regular day-to-day -day society, regular day-to-day -day life. You know, he couldn't sit down in a college classroom because he usually knew more than the instructor um, and, and things like that. So he chose to travel the world. I mean, and not resort type travel. He would jump on a plane to Panama, Costa Rica, Greece, um, Nicaragua, and he would become immersed in the culture, befriend locals, donate his time to building computer, computer infrastructures, sustainable housing. So he did that until he was probably about 25. And then he, and, and to my brother, he saw no color of skin, no, you know, status, like everybody was equal to him. He would just chat with homeless people. Like he just, it, he was amazing. So um, when he was about 25, he said, I think I'm going to join the corporate world. And I was like, that's not how it works, Joey. You know, 
you can't just go out and get a job when you haven't worked. But lo and behold, he did. And he was making more money than me within a week um, just because he was so smart. Um, but he struggled, you know, he didn't understand how to have, you know, work relationships and to function in regular society. Someone who's a genius struggled to lose his, he lost his driver's license all the time, his cell phone, you know, he, he just, he didn't know how to function in regular life outside of jumping on a plane and exploring. To kind of lead to his drug use, um, he started taking drugs to sort of, in the beginning, I remember it was kind of like to get his brain to stop. You know, he just Mm -hmm. was constantly going and um, all the anxiety and, and, you know, that came with the Asperger's and and what that felt like for him and just the the failure of, you know, doctors and, and rehabs and anything to help my brother in any kind of way. So he tried to self-medicate and that's where the trouble began for my brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the common story that people use medication or they use substances to medicate unease, to medicate a busy mind, to medicate boredom. Did your brother actually have an addiction or was this a really tragic poisoning? that just happened? He did have an addiction. There was about a decade of pure struggle. Um, And I believe it started from him trying to seek help for, you know, mental health and Asperger's and just the, the, you know, the brain to stop working. I mean, he just, he didn't know how to have a regular conversation. He would just go in depth about things that, you know, I'm like, Joey, nobody wants to hear about that within five minutes of meeting them, you know? So into, you know, in his search to sort of figure out how to live a regular life and are, are helping him, they just started medicating him, you know, anywhere and everywhere he sought help, they just would give him a different medicine. And despite his, his, you know, objections that he it didn't make him feel good it made him gain weight or whatever it made him feel that didn't make him feel right they would just give him more and more so then because he was so smart he would start researching his own like micro dosing and, and things like that and then he just became a full-blown addict where you know five years ago as sad as it sounds i think i remember having a call with my mom and we just sort of you know he had been missing for about a week And we just sort of said, this is it. You know, there was a couple of times, you know, he would, he would also get on a plane and go to like India um, when he was high. So it wasn't like a, you know, a small thing. Did he let you know? Would he let you know if he was traveling? Sometimes. I was on the phone with the embassy so many times, doctors from India calling me, we found your brother and I'm like, Joey, can you just stay in the United States, please? You know, but, um, and and then he would get clean for quite a few years, you know, so, um, but it all came back to conversations about just wanting a regular life and having no idea how to get there. And I mean, diligent searching for help from my parents and I, and just nothing. There was, there was nothing that we could find that would help him, you know, unfortunately. 
So I think your tragic story is all too common for neurodiverse kids who a standard mm -hmm. treatment protocol is not going to speak to, even without his intellectual prowess. A Absolutely. simple treatment program wasn't going to work for him. No. And, you know, the saddest thing about all of this is, you know, like I said, five years ago, my mom and I, we had just accepted it and we were waiting for the call. But in the last few years, my brother had changed. He had cleaned himself up. He had sort of mastered it. He was working in great, amazing corporate jobs. Um, and the night he passed was he was starting a new job that had told them they were going to be remote. And then the night before the couple days before he was supposed to start, they said, Oh, it's going to be in person. And that anxiety of, Oh my God, I'm going to have to socialize with people. They're going to know I'm different, etc." He got off the phone with my mother and he sounded fine. And then he must've gone and bought marijuana or cocaine, whatever he bought. Um, you know, and then it was laced with fentanyl and he died. Um, so it was unexpected as much as there were years where he struggled with addiction. He had really, you know, his email was like Joey Newleaf. And he, we truly with all of us never expected this and thought we had gotten past that point. Um, and throughout this whole last year, I've met so many people. I just watched a, a viral, um, thing on Instagram yesterday of a girl who just lost her 23 year old brother. So this is not just addicts who are being poisoned with fentanyl. This is high school kids, mm -hmm. middle school kids, grown professionals. My mentor knew a, a, a professional in I think her fifties. It is people smoking a joint to relax and dying because of these drugs being poisoned. It's terrifying. So what can we do? What can we do, all of us? I think the conversation needs to just start. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversations about COVID and, and, you know, testing and all of that. But fentanyl poisoning is the leading cause of death for 18 to 45 year olds right now. And it is um, the most cause of death for Americans under 50, beating cancer, heart disease, accidents, everything. It is the reason people are dying in America right now. And nobody is talking about it. Um, there's test strips out there that, you know, some states are even um, deeming illegal and calling them drug paraphernalia. Um, most of the states have started to wake up. California, there's bars in California that are passing the strips out. You know, college campuses need to be passing these strips out. Parents need to be realistic about their kids. You know, right now, a lot of the place you can get the testing strips are at these like needle um, collections or needle exchange programs, but this is not just addicts. You know, this is, these are kids with Asperger's who are smoking a joint to relax. These are college kids who are taking what they think is a Percocet to go to bed. Um, you know, we just need to get real and start the conversation about, you know, how do we stay safe? This isn't the seventies anymore, you know, um, unfortunately. So, so so these fentanyl strips are not readily available is what you're saying. If I were a mother they, and I were concerned about my son, what, where would I get them? You can actually get them on Amazon. So they are semi-available um, depending on your state. You would have to look it up. Um, you can go to like your state website, your local 
um, websites and, and kind of Google it and see what the laws are in your states. It's very few states where it's fully illegal, um, but Amazon has them. You can order a test strips. Um, there are places you can get them for free, you know, if you can't afford. They are a little pricey on Amazon, um, but, you know, there's to me, there's no price tag on, on your child's safety. And it's hundreds of that. My brother is one of hundreds of thousands in 2021 that died from this. 30 from this drug dealer alone. And this was in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we're not talking about inner city hood. We are talking about everywhere in our country, small towns, rural areas, cities, affluent neighborhoods. Well, everywhere. My sister, my sister's in Austin, Texas, and four kids from my niece's school just died. I mean, every person I speak to now knows somebody. And it used to be like, oh, I know someone that had COVID. Like now kids are dying. Adults are every, you know, it's, and it's in pills, marijuana, you know, um, there's larger conversations that can stem from, you know, mental health treatments and the legalization of marijuana. I mean, there's so many little rabbit holes that have to do with this. But in the meantime, getting these test strips, educating your kids, it's not like, you know, back in my generation where our parents warned us that, you know, one kid died out in California. Like, these are kids everywhere dying instantly it takes a pin point dot to kill someone pinpoint dot that is a really powerful image mm-hmm. yeah and you can't see them they are invisible to the eye and recently enough of enough fentanyl to kill every american twice over was seized at our border so one thing to know is that there is pharmaceutical fentanyl used in hospitals and stuff that's very effective for surgeries or pain. This is illicit fake fentanyl that's being created in China and brought over that drug dealers are using to make their drugs, quote unquote, better and more addictive. And they are killing people left and right with it. Michelle, what didn't I ask you today? Um... I think, you know, talking about mental health and Asperger's and different diagnoses and, and, you know, the, the healthcare system and insurance system was a big part in us not being able to get my brother help. And I think, you know, 30 day, the 30 days where he would spend in a rehab here or there provided my family like safety, knowing that he wasn't out there on the streets that he could use again. It was like, I could finally sleep and growing up with a sibling of it, of it as an addict. Actually, I was an adult. So I was in my twenties, you know, I spent a good part of a decade keeping my brother alive on the phone with police in LA, the embassies in every country, you know, just trying to keep him alive. And while I could sleep while he was in rehab, they never, got to the root of what his issue was. They would just medicate him and throw him back out. And then, you know, he might be good for a little while, but then they never got to the source of that my brother struggled to just live in regular society. And about a year before he passed, he he just started expressing how much he wanted to. He wanted a wife and kids. He wanted a regular life. But 
there's just no system out there. There's no program to sort of like, like a life coach or something. Instead, there's just this system of sort of bringing them in, cleaning them up and throwing them back out. And I feel like that's a conversation that needs to be had as well. You know? Well, I'm going to do a little plug for O'Connor Professional Group because we were founded for the very same reason, Michelle, and that was that people were going into treatment, their maladaptive coping strategies were kicked out, and they were vulnerable walking out of those programs because they had no other ways to function in the world. So our services are designed to help people with substance use disorders, and particularly those with neurodiversity because the standard AA meetings may not be helpful. They they aren't. And the system, I mean, we, we've had doctors tell my parents and I, just let him go. He's just going to OD. Just forget about him. Write him off. I see this every day. This we've, we've literally had medical professionals tell us this. And with him being over the age of 18, he, he made his own decisions, but he wasn't in the right mental state to make his own decisions. So mm-hmm. there, are, there are so many people out there in that situation. And the only thing that I can say is the fentanyl is a very, it's even more dangerous for somebody who's an addict. I mean, the chances of the drugs that they have being laced are just so high. So, um, something, you know, that that conversation needs to be happened and some support systems and and things like that, because losing a sibling is an unexplainable thing that nobody should have. That phone call from my mother, I will never forget. I think about it every night before I go to bed and, you know, watching my parents lose my brother in addition to the pain that I felt watching my son, because they were actually really close in age since my brother was 15 years younger than me, watch him deal with losing someone that was like a brother to him. It's just, it's not something any parent, sister, you know, brought anybody should, should have to deal with because somebody chose to poison drugs, you know? So there's many pieces of this. Mm -hmm. I agree. And thank you for highlighting a really important piece of this, which is let's take off the blinders. We know substance use is happening. Let's get our kids, our loved ones educated about the dangers. Yes. And, you know, thanking you for giving me a platform to discuss it. And I can't recommend enough if you even have a thought that your child is doing drugs, get strips, put them in their hands. You know, if they have the opportunity to test a drug before they do it, you know, a lot of parents don't want to think out that their child is doing drugs. But, you know, I have four grown children. My son, thankfully, lives in a state where he's 25, where it is legalized. So I don't have to worry because I know he does smoke for social anxiety. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as you said it perfectly, take the blinders off, you know. Don't be worried about your pride, you know, thinking your kid might be doing drugs. You could save their life. Great ending. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening today to Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. If you like this episode or any of our others, please like us on a platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet. 
a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.